In these podcasts, we uncover one chapter after another from the life of the Prophet ﷺ in an attempt to learn about him, to love him, and to better ourselves through his example. Immersion, mentorship, companionship, and tarbiyah. These are just a few of the things we offer alongside knowledge of the prophetic biography at the Sirah Intensive. Two weeks dedicated to the study of the life of the Prophet ﷺ and his noble characteristics. So this winter, join me in Dallas, Texas, alongside your classmates from all over the world to learn the story of the life of the best of humanity, the ultimate mercy to mankind, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Bismillahi walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Inshallah, continuing with our series on the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Asirat Nabawiyya, the prophetic biography. We've been discussing the battle of Uhud and last time when we, um, in the previous session, we talked about the conclusion of the actual fighting in the battle itself. Where we are right now is in the aftermath of the battle, we also talked about some of that where the Prophet ﷺ himself personally went through the battlefield kind of surveying the damage, accounting for the loss of life and seeing which of the Sahaba you know, he could find and could identify. And similarly, he had other companions also kind of uh, combing through the battlefield, uh, looking for the shuhada and any injured individuals that there might have been. At this particular time, what the books of Sirah make mention of is the janazah or the burial of those who had fallen at the Battle of Uhud. And there are some very powerful, uh, gripping and touching stories, uh, narrations that talk about those who had fallen and exactly how they were, um, you know, uh, offered their funeral rites. Now, in this particular area and chapter, first and foremost, I kind of like to get this out of the way because I don't want this to be a focus of our session, particularly here, even though it is an important issue as the scholars and the fuqaha, the ulama have discussed this issue. There is a difference of opinion amongst the fuqaha, amongst the scholars of fiqh, um, about whether or not when you have what we call a shaheed, a marcher, and specifically to be more precise, a shaheed haqiqi, an actual physical marcher, somebody who died fighting in the battlefield. That when you have somebody who has died in this manner, they died in the battlefield, there's a few rulings in regards to them that we might not be familiar with because it's not like an ordinary burial or funeral prayer. First and foremost, of course, as we know, the normal procedure is that whenever we have a Muslim brother or sister who dies, who passes away, they are first and foremost, you know, uh, given a ghusl. Their body is washed. Whatever clothing they were wearing, whatever jewelry they might have been wearing uh, at the time that they passed away, in the case of a sister jewelry, that, that is removed. Of course, respecting the privacy and the dignity of the deceased. Um, that is removed, and then at that point in time, the body is washed. Preferably, if it is a man who has died, then there are men washing the body. If it's a sister who has passed away, there are women washing the body. As evidenced by the fact that even when the Prophet ﷺ departed from this world, his body was washed by the men, uh, the Sahaba, the men, 
particularly the men of his family, like Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu and Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu and others. And the body is washed at that time. After the body has been washed, then the body is shrouded. It is wrapped, it is covered in plain cloth, unstitched clothing. And then a funeral prayer, Salatul Janaza, is offered, after which the body is taken to the graveyard and it is laid to rest. So there are basically four things that we do, and that is ghusl, taghseel, washing of the body, takfeen, shrouding of the body, salah, uh, the prayer upon the deceased, and then there is the tadfeen, the burial, where you lower the body into the ground. However, when you have the case of a shaheed, the rules are a little bit different. And this is what we're going to come across in the narration today. But I'd like to go ahead and explain it just so somebody doesn't hear something and it kind of throws them off or confuses them. First and foremost, when you have an actual physical marcher, somebody who dies in the battlefield, then the first thing is, is that they are left in the clothing in which uh, they are left in the clothing that they are wearing. The clothing is not removed from them. Of course, the, exception, the body is still covered with a sheet to cover the face and the feet, particularly if the clothing was torn. In the case of an injury or dying in the battlefield, the clothing might have been kind of torn or removed or something like that, obviously in the course of battle. So there is a sheet that's placed, but the clothing that they still have on them, as tattered or bloodied it may be, it is not removed from them, number one. The Prophet ﷺ did however say remove their armor, remove their weapons. So the weapons and the armor is removed, but the clothing is left on them, number one. Number two, so uh, there's, there's that concept. Number two is you do not wash the body of the martyr, the shaheed. It is not washed. But the Prophet ﷺ, as we're going to read in the narration, he says, bury them with their wounds, with their blood. Atfinuhum bidima'ihim. Bury them with their blood. And as we'll read in the narration, the Prophet ﷺ says that when they will be raised on the Day of Judgment, they will come with these wounds and in all this blood and it will still be fresh. And it will be like a testament and an evidence on their behalf of what they sacrificed for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they are not washed, their clothing is left on them. Another shroud can be placed on them, of course, for respect. They are buried, of course. But then the, the, the fourth thing, which is the salah. Now this might seem kind of peculiar, but there's a difference of opinion whether or not the salah is performed for the shaheed or not. And the purpose behind that is, first and foremost, of course, it's based on evidence. As we will read that there are some ahadith, even authentic narrations, that mention that the Prophet ﷺ buried the shuhada of Uhud. And this is not like a disrespect. You know, a lot of times when you hear that you buried somebody without praying Salatul Janazah, it's almost like it creates a notion of disrespect. Right? Like you didn't fulfill their rights. Or maybe what, like we wouldn't pray Salatul Janazah for a non-Muslim. Right, so somebody can be kind of shocked when they hear that, but the Prophet ﷺ had so much love for the shuhada of Uhud. We're going to read the narrations today, and it will actually shock you, blow you away, how much love and respect the Prophet ﷺ had for the martyrs of Uhud. However, Salatul Janazah was not performed. The narration mentions it very clearly. The other thing, more logically speaking, is many of the scholars also say that the reasoning behind this is, is because Salatul Janazah is a prayer for forgiveness. 
It's a prayer for forgiveness. And the shaheed, the moment that they, they fall, all their sins are forgiven. And they are guaranteed paradise. And so that's why, logically speaking as well, there, it, it makes sense in the opinion of some of those scholars that a salat janazah would not be performed for them. And that is the opinion of the majority of the fuqaha, the scholars. However, some of the scholars like Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah ta'ala, the Ahnaf, the Hanafi school, they actually say that no salat janazah is still performed for them. And they actually mention the fact that there are some narrations which do mention the fact that Salat al-Janazah was performed. So there's two sets of narrations and because of that there's a difference of opinion amongst the scholars. And of course when and where and however that situation may arise, either course of action would be absolutely correct. Because that difference of opinion uh, and that difference of practice existed from the time of the companions. And it is a valid difference of opinion based on different narrations. So there are just simply two courses of action. And I I wanted to clarify that right here at the very beginning, just so that there's no confusion uh, as we read through the narrations. Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu, whom we spoke about, um, and we talked about how painful it was for the Prophet to see the body of Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu, not just lying there fallen in the battlefield, but then on top of that, very unfortunately, his body had been mutilated by some of the disbelievers. And we also talked about the aunt of the Prophet ﷺ, Safiya radiallahu ta'ala anha, who was a remarkable, very, very strong woman who came to see the body of her brother in this condition. And now the Prophet ﷺ told her son, Abdullah ibn Zubayr or Zubayr ibn al-Awam, excuse me, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he had told him to prevent his mother from seeing Hamza radiallahu anhu that way. However, when she insisted, the Prophet ﷺ said, sabilaha, let her go. She came, she saw the body of Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu, فَنَظَرَتْ إِلَيْهِ وَصَلَّتْ عَلَيْهِ وَاسْتَرْجَعَتْ وَاسْتَغْفَرَتْ she made dua for him, she said istighfar, and she said inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. And she said that why, why, why would I not want to, why would I be bothered by seeing the body of my brother this way? Of course it pains me. But she says, فَمَا أَرْضَانَا مَا كَانَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ she says that وَقَدْ بَلَغَنِي أَنَّهُمْ مُثِّلَ بِيَاخِي I've heard that my brother's body was mutilated. وَذَلِكَ فِي اللَّهِ but it was done for the sake of Allah. فَمَا أَرْضَانَا مَا كَانَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ لَا أَحْتَسِبَنَّ وَلَا أَصْبِرَنَّ إِنْشَاءَ اللَّهِ I will be patient and I will ask Allah for reward for this sacrifice. And so once the body of, the, of Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu was covered and we talked about that, she brought two sheets for the body of Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu and the sahaba say that there was إِلَىٰ جَنْبِهِ رَجُلٌ مِنَ الْأَنصَارِ قَتِيلٌ There was an Ansari that was lying there who had also fallen in the battlefield next to Hamza radiallahu anhu. Unfortunately, he didn't have any type of a sheet. His body had also been mutilated, his clothes had been ripped off and there was no sheet to cover him. Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu was a very you know, tall and big man. So even though two sheets were very appropriate to cover him, we said we can't cover him in two sheets and leave the body of his brother. Hamza would never stand for that, leave the body of his brother uncovered. So they said that we looked at the two sheets and one was larger than the other. And again, we didn't want to just play favoritism and give the larger, nicer sheets to the uncle of the Prophet Hamza radiallahu anhu. So therefore we kind of just drew the sheets and the larger sheet came out for the Ansari and we covered him in this. We covered Hamza with the smaller sheet. We would pulled it up to his head, his feet became uncovered. But we took leaves from the trees and we covered his feet. 
So this is how Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu departed this world. There are some narrations now that mention something very powerful. And that is, Amara Rasulullah sallallahu So the Prophet said, cover the body of Hamza and bring his body. Thumma salla alayhi, this particular narration mentions that he prayed Salatul Janazah for him. Fakabbara, he said takbir, like he offered the Salatul Janazah for him. Thumma utiya bil qatla yuda'una ila Hamza. Then another, the other deceased, the other shuhada were brought. But the Prophet said, leave the body of Hamza. And one after another, after another, the shuhada were brought. But fasalla alayhim wa alayhi ma'ahum. But the Prophet ﷺ kept praying the janazah of Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu hatta salla alayhi thintayni wa sab'ina salatan. So much so the Prophet ﷺ prayed 72 janazah prayers for Hamza radiallahu anhu. Because of just the pain that he felt at the loss of Hamza. This is a weaker narration but nevertheless this is popularly narrated in many of the different books of Sirah. And there are a number of different uh, narrations which make the same mention. Imam Ahmed also has a similar narration where he mentions that every single time the janazah was done, the other body would be taken but Hamza would be left. So much so the Prophet offered 70 janazah prayers upon Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu. But as I mentioned that this is a weaker narration. Now another situation that occurred was, and we're going to talk about exactly how many sahaba were shaheed on the day of Uhud in a little bit more detail towards the end. However, some of the Sahaba came to the Prophet ﷺ and they said, O Messenger of Allah, O Messenger of God, we have nearly 70 shuhada to bury. And, in, and they said that we have suffered great uh, losses on this day and many of us are injured and battered and bruised and uh, you know, suffering in our own way that many, many people have been injured today and we are very exhausted from the battle. So it's going to be difficult for us to dig 70 graves. So at that time, the rukhsa, and this is also where we get some legislation, some fiqh, that the Prophet ﷺ allowed them to bury multiple people in one grave. And again, when you hear that sometimes, it can sound somewhat disrespectful. Almost like, you know, like we have the notion of, uh, unfortunately, where massacres occur uh, oftentimes in the world, very unfortunately, sometimes we'll hear about mass graves. This was not the idea of like a mass grave, like, well, ayadu billah, make Allah, you know, God forbid that some, you know, just a ditch was dug and a bunch of bodies were thrown in there. That's not the case at all. But rather what happened was, basically two sahaba were laid down in one grave together. And the way that it was done was that in Medina, the way they would dig graves is the concept of a lahad. Now, this is going to be a l not too difficult to explain. This is not too difficult to explain. But basically, the way that they would dig graves in Medina is that they would dig downward. And once they had reached the bottom of the grave, then they would dig towards the side. So they would dig downwards and then they would dig to the side a little bit, creating kind of a pocket. And so what they did was, instead of having to dig 70 graves, this way they only had to dig about 35 graves, 
That's half the work. But when they would dig sideways, when they would create that pocket, instead of creating a small pocket that was big enough for one body, they just made the pocket a little bit bigger. So it was still less work than digging 70, twice as many graves. But they would just make that pocket a little bit bigger to where they could respectfully lay down two bodies side by side next to one another. So it's still very respectful. And something very interesting is that, so when the Prophet ﷺ gave him that permission, and this demonstrates the fact that it is permissible if the need arises, that they asked the Prophet ﷺ that who should we put into the grave first? Who should we put inside? Because again, the deeper you bury somebody, the more better or more respectful it is. Because there's a lesser chance of the body basically coming to the surface or becoming uncovered, so on and so forth. So the Prophet ﷺ said, "Ayyuhum akthru akhdan lil Quran." Ayyuhum akthru akhdan lil Quran. The Prophet ﷺ said, "Whoever knew more Quran, put that person in the grave first. So this shows that even in life, preference would be given, or rank was understood, at least in the community, based on one's attachment and relationship with the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with the Qur'an. And even in death, honor and dignity was granted in accordance with somebody's relationship with the Book of Allah, with the Qur'an. Right? So it, it tells us about the profound importance of the Qur'an, even in the community of the Prophet sallallahu So it mentions some of the Sahaba who were buried together, mutasahibain. And it's even a very beautiful term that is used as well. Mutasahibain, as brothers, as friends. The friends that were buried together. So Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the uncle, the beloved uncle of the Prophet wasallam, was buried along with his nephew, the son of his sister, Abdullah bin Jahash. Abdullah ibn Jahash, this is the brother of Zainab bin Jahash, Umul Mu'mineen. The wife of the Prophet ﷺ, the mother of the believers, her brother Abdullah ibn Jahash was shaheed in Uhud, and he was the cousin of the Prophet ﷺ, the nephew of Hamza. His mother Umayma bint Abdul Muttalib was Hamza's sister. So since they were family, uncle and nephew, they were buried together. And Subhanallah, even Abdullah ibn Jahash radiAllahu taala anhu ended up sacrificing quite a bit on the day of Uhud. He had also been uh, mutilated. Unfortunately, his body had also been mutilated so much so that the, the, the Prophet ﷺ gave him a nickname and that was Al-Mujadda'a Fillah. Al-Mujadda'a Fillah. Al-Mujadda'a means somebody whose nose had been cut off. But his name was Al-Mujadda'a Fillah. The one whose nose was cut off, the one whose face was mutilated for the sake of Allah. And that's dignity and honor. Because of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will honor that person in accordance with that person's sacrifice. Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas radiallahu ta'ala anhu actually says that Abdullah bin Jahash and Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu had made dua before the battle of Uhud started. They had both made dua together. They said we will make dua and we will say ameen to each other's dua. Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu made dua that may I meet one of the bravest and fiercest warriors amongst the enemy and then I am able to defeat him. And that's exactly what happened. And Abdullah bin Jahash radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, let me fight one of the fiercest of the enemy 
and let us fight to the very end to the point where I injure him fatally, but then he is able to kill me so as I am a shaheed and I die in the battlefield. And that is precisely what happened. So his dua was accepted to be a shaheed, to be a martyr for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they were buried together, um, two more individuals um, who have remarkable stories that were also buried together are Amr bin al-Jamuh. Now if you remember the story I talked about Amr bin al-Jamuh earlier, Amr bin al-Jamuh was a very elderly man. He had also a very severe um, physical disability, like his leg, he did not have very good use of one of his legs. So he had a very severe limp and oftentimes it mentions that he would need something to help him walk. Like he needed a, like a cane or a stick or a walker to be able to even walk. That's how bad his leg was and he was elderly. He had four very brave sons and he said, I'm going to go for Uhud. They didn't let him go for Badr. He said, I'm going to go for Uhud. Um, his son said no. Eventually, they went and they complained to the Prophet ﷺ that our father, he wants to go, but he should not go. This is this is a situation. The Prophet ﷺ called him and he said that, that you know you don't have to go. He said, I know I don't have to go, but what if I want to go? And what if I want to drag this 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 broken leg, this busted leg, what if I want to drag this into paradise? And then that's when the Prophet ﷺ told his sons that, get out of your father's way. Because he's a man with conviction. And Amr bin al-Jamuh ended up dying in the battlefield as a martyr. His wife, Amr bin al-Jamuh his wife came to retrieve his body after the battle was done. Um, the narration mentions that Usaid bin Hudayr says, we were there in the battlefield for some time afterwards, um, and all of a sudden we saw um, a camel that was approaching, and there was a woman on that camel, and it was the wife of Amr bin al-Jamuh. So we said to her, Mal khabar, what is wrong? She said, Allahu an Rasulillahi sallallahu min al-mu'mineen shuhada." And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defended the Prophet ﷺ, but many believers have fallen as shaheed. And um, Ibn Kathir rahmahullahu ta'ala um, quotes the ayah, وَرَدَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِغَيْدِهِنْ لَمْ يَنَالُوا خَيْرًا وَكَفَ اللَّهُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ الْقِتَالَ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ قَوِيًّا عَزِيزًا That Allah defended the Messenger ﷺ by means of many of the believers. So she came and they said that, why are you here with this camel? And she said that I am here to retrieve, to recover the body of my brother who fell in the battle and also the body of my husband, Amr bin al-Jamuh, who is also a shaheed. So they were from Banu Salima. They were Ansar from Medina and they were from the tribe of Banu Salima. So she said, I would like to bury my family members in our graveyard of Banu Salima. However, when she started to take the body, at that time the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, in fact some of the narrations mentioned that other family members similarly came to retrieve uh, some of their fallen um, from the battlefield. For instance, um, Jabir bin Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhumah, his father Abdullah, who had also fallen in the battlefield, he had also died as a shaheed, Abdullah bin Amr, he came, his, he had seven sisters. And so his sisters, when they received the news that their father had died as shaheed, they sent their brother Jabir, go get our father's body so we can bury him here close to us in Medina 
so we can visit the grave. So he similarly had come to get his father's body. Amr bin al-Jamuh's wife was there to get her husband's body. And similarly, many other people had come to retrieve the bodies of their fallen. The Prophet ﷺ, however, had an announcement made. And the announcement from the Prophet ﷺ was that, أَلَا إِنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَمْ يَأْمُرُكُمْ أَن تَرْجِعُوا بِالْقَتْلَى فَتَدْفِنُوهَا فِي مَصَارِعِهَا حَيْثُ قُتِلَتْ so the Prophet ﷺ had messengers sent all the way to Medina to say, anybody who has retrieved a family member of theirs or a friend who was shaheed in Uhud needs to bring the body back to Uhud and bury them where they have fallen in the battlefield of Uhud. And what was exactly the wisdom behind this? So some scholars mention that this kind of serves as some evidence or proof that it is better to bury somebody where they have passed away, where they have died. And there's some validity to that idea and that thought. However, specifically in the case of a shaheed, because the Prophet ﷺ mentions in another narration that when somebody dies as a shaheed in the battlefield, while they have a ton of reward that is mentioned in the Qur'an and in many other narrations, one of the rewards that is reserved for the shaheed is wherever they died and they are buried in the battlefield, they will be granted, one of, their, one of the things that will be given to them is that they will be given a palace in paradise that will be the size of where they were buried all the way to their home. And so the Prophet ﷺ said, no, bury the shuhada of Uhud where they fell to preserve this reward on their behalf. And at the same time, another purpose of it was, as we are able to see today, that the shuhada of Uhud were meant to be this very powerful symbol of, a sa- of sacrifices. رِجَالٌ صَدَقُوا مَا عَاهَدُوا اللَّهَ عَلَيْهِ فَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ قَضَى رَحْبَهُ وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ يَنْتَظِرُ Right? That these were people who laid their lives on the line and fulfilled the promise that they had made to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So they were meant to serve as a symbol of the sacrifice that the first generation made for Islam. And we see that even till today, for the rest of the life of the Prophet ﷺ, he used to visit the Shuhada of Uhud. Until today when we go to Al-Madinatul Munawwara, the city of the Prophet ﷺ, we go and we visit and pay our respects to the martyrs of Uhud at the place of Uhud. So the Prophet ﷺ said, no, bring them back. So we know the story of Amr bin al-Jamuh, Jabir bin Abdullah, his father Abdullah was also an elderly man. Jabir was a young man, he was a warrior. But his father, he was going for the battle and he said that if, if it wasn't for your younger sisters, he said, I am leaving you in charge of your younger sisters, seven sisters. He said, but if it was not for my daughters and my concern for my daughters, I would love nothing more than for you to fight by my side. For you to fight by my side, my son. That we would fight together in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in, in the cause of Allah. However, I need to leave you behind in order to look after your sisters, my daughters. So then when Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu was confirmed as fallen in the battlefield, then Jabir radiallahu ta'ala anhu came and offered his respects and as I mentioned, was going to take the body of uh, his father back to Medina. But however, the Prophet ﷺ instructed them to bury them wherever they were. However, for it, what's also very, very beautiful about this is that some of the... How attentive... Now, the Prophet ﷺ had lost his uncle Hamza. He had lost other family members and friends and companions. He himself was so severely injured. 
But how the Prophet ﷺ paid such close attention to the you know, emotional distress of everyone that was around him. So Amr bin al-Jamuh and Jabir's father, Abdullah, were buried also together. And the Prophet ﷺ saw that Jabir was really struggling with his father's death. And so the Prophet ﷺ, he said, أَنَا شَهِيدٌ عَلَى هَؤُلَاءِ I am a witness on behalf of these martyrs, these people. إِنَّهُ مَا مِنْ جَرِيحٍ يُجْرَحُ فِي اللَّهِ إِلَّا وَاللَّهُ يَبْعَثُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يَدْمَا جُرْحُهُ اللَّوْنُ لَوْنُ دَمٍ وَالْرِيحُ رِيحُ مِسْكِنٍ The Prophet ﷺ said that I am a witness on behalf of all of these martyrs. And every single person that was injured today, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that person will be raised by Allah on the day of judgment, and his wound will still be oozing blood. And the color will be the color of blood, but the fragrance will be the fragrance of musk coming from uh, these individuals. The Prophet ﷺ also told Jabir about his father, فَإِنَّ كُلَّ جُرْحٍ أَوْ كُلَّ دَمٍ يَفُوحُ مِسْكًا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ that every single wound and every, all the blood that is on their body will have the fragrance of musk on the day of judgment, on the day of resurrection. The Prophet of Allah ﷺ, he also said to Jabir radiallahu ta'ala anhu when um, he saw that he was kind of struggling with this and especially Jabir radiallahu ta'ala anhu was kind of bothered by the idea of putting his father in a grave with another person the Prophet sallallahu said ihfiru wa awsi'u make the grave bigger and wider وَجَعَلَ الرَّجُلَيْنِ وَالثَّلَاثَ فِي الْقَبْرِ الْوَاحِدِ so that when you put two or three people together in one grave it is not um, tight it's not like you're piling them together in another narration he said أَعْمِقُوا make sure you dig deep and the Prophet ﷺ said to um, Jabir uh, about his father when he saw that he was very, very sad, some very beautiful uh, bashara, some, some good news. Yes. So he said, Jabir radiallahu ta'ala anhu came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said that um, uh, Jabir radiallahu anhu's father actually, Abdullah had told his son, He said, Oh my son Jabir, nobody is more beloved to me than whom I leave behind than other than you. Aside from the Prophet ﷺ. After the Prophet ﷺ, you are the most beloved person to me. I have a lot of debt. Make sure you pay my debt off for me. And look after your sisters for me. And of course the father ended up dying. So when Jabir came to see this body of his father, he started to cry. He kept moving the cloth from the face of his father, the sheet from the face of his father, and he kept crying over his father's body. Some people started to kind of tell him not to do that. Some people started to reprimand him and tell him, don't do that. Subhanallah, the Prophet he came. And he said, He said, whether you cry on him or you don't cry on him. Notice the Prophet did not reprimand him. Because he understood. 
He's in pain right now. But he said, whether you cry for your father or you don't cry for him, لم تزل الملائكة تضله بأجنحتها حتى رفعتموه. The angels are covering his body with their wings, so that the sun doesn't even directly, the sunlight does not burn his body. The angels are shielding your father's body with their wings. In another narration, the Prophet ﷺ said, يا جابر ألا أبشرك؟ O Jabir, do you want some good news? قال بلا. Of course, يا رسول الله. He said, بشرك الله بالخير. Allah has delivered good news to you. He said that, أَشَعَرْتَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ أَحْيَا أَبَاكَ Let me tell you your father's story. What happened to your father after he died in the battlefield? Allah resurrected, like the soul of your father went before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَقَالَ تَمَنَّ عَلَيَّ عَبْدِي مَا شِئْتَ أُعْطِكَهُ Allah said to your father's soul, Tell me, O oh my slave, what do you want? I will give to you whatever it is that you desire. Qala ya Rabbi, ma abattuka haqqa ibadatik. Oh my father, I did not worship. Uh, he says, Oh ya Rabb, O oh Allah. The father says, Oh Allah, I did not worship you as you deserve to be worshipped. Atamanna alayka antaruddani ila dunya. I I desire that you return me back to the life of the world. Why? Fa'aqtula ma'anabiyika. And I will once again march into the battlefield by the side of your Prophet. And I would be killed again fighting for your sake in your path. But however, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the decree has been made that once somebody leaves the world, they do not come back. That's why you will not be sent back. But the Prophet ﷺ mentioned this to Jabir that look at your father. Look what an amazing and remarkable man your father is. In another narration, the Prophet ﷺ saw Jabir and he said, Oh Jabir, why are you so sad? He said, Ya Rasulullah, Qutila Abi, I lost my father. And he's left a lot of debt and a huge family to look after. As if the loss of my father wasn't bad enough, I now have all these responsibilities burdening me. And I'm crumbling under the pressure. The Prophet said, Let me tell you something, son. Let me tell you something. He said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not speak to any human being except from behind a barrier. From behind a barrier. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removed the barrier when speaking to your father's soul. That your father's soul was granted the honor and the distinction to be in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And again, he said, Ya Abdi Salni U'atika. Oh my slave, ask me. Whatever you want, I will give it to you. And again, he made the same request. Let me go back to the world and I will fight again and I will lose my life again and I will fight again and lose my life again. But of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that it has been decreed, nobody returns back. But this is the virtue of your father. And so this is how the Prophet sallallahu was consoling them. The Prophet sallallahu passed by the body of Mus'ab bin Umair. And he was lying by the side of almost like a pathway. His body was lying there killed, severely injured. And the Prophet ﷺ stopped. 
at his body. And he made dua for Musab bin Umair, the Prophet ﷺ. And he read the ayah, مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ رِجَالٌ صَدَقُوا مَا عَهَدُ اللَّهَ عَلَيْهِ That from the believers there are these people, these men. They fulfilled the promise that they made to God. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, أَشْهَدُ أَنَّ هَؤُلَاءِ شُهَدَاءِ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ I bear witness. I testify that these people will stand before God on the day of judgment as martyrs. فَأْتُوهُمْ وَزُورُوهُمْ And the Prophet ﷺ said, So come and visit them. Come and visit them. وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ The Prophet ﷺ said that whoever gives salam to them till the day of judgment, that salam is returned back on that person. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ it is narrated about him. كَانَ نَبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَأْتِي قُبُرَ الشُّهَدَاءِ The Prophet ﷺ regularly used to go and visit the graves of the shuhada of Uhud. And whenever he got the opportunity, and he used to say, As-salamu alaykum bima sabartum. May Allah's peace and blessings be upon you because of the patience you displayed. فَنِعَمَ عُقْبَ الدَّارِ Most amazing is your reward. Then Abu Bakr after the Prophet Abu Bakr used to come and visit them. And then Umar used to come and visit them. And then Uthman used to come and visit them. Even so much so that it mentions that Fatima she used to regularly go to the place of the Shuhada of Uhud and she would visit them. She used to cry there at the graves of the Shuhada of Uhud and make dua for them. That may Allah reward you for your sacrifice. You defended the Prophet ﷺ and you sacrificed your lives for the sake of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet of Allah ﷺ, he, after all the shuhada were buried, before I go forward, I wanted to talk about a few things that are mentioned, that are preserved in the history of the city of Medina and particularly about the shuhada of Uhud. Some very interesting and remarkable, miraculous things. However, the first thing I wanted to mention was that after the shuhada of Uhud had been buried, the Prophet of Allah gathered all the believers together. And he addressed all of them. Almost like consider this like a khutbah, like, a, like an address. And he said, Inni bayna aydikum faratun. I am here amongst you as a, as a witness amongst you. وَأَنَا عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدٌ And I am a witness on your behalf. وَإِنَّ مَوْعِدَكُمُ الْحَوْضِ And we will all be reunited together at the fountain of Kawthar. وَإِنِّي لَأَنْدُرُوا إِلَيْهِ مِنْ مَقَامِ هَذَا And Allah has granted me the ability to see the fountain of Kawthar from where I stand here right now. وَإِنِّي لَسْتُ أَخْشَى عَلَيْكُمْ أَن تُشْرِكُوا I do not worry that you will go and revert back to shirk. I'm not worried about my ummah that they will start worshipping idols again. Rather what I'm worried about is the fact that you will become preoccupied by worldly and material things. Where you will vie for material things. And you will forget the importance of you know, serving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with this time in this life that you have been given. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ encouraged the visiting of just... Not just the shuhada of Uhud, but graveyards in general. There's also another very interesting uh, narration that is mentioned 
uh, from the Battle of Uhud, much like in the Battle of Badr, you have the story of Ukasha ibn al-Muhsin, that the Prophet ﷺ gave him a stick, Ukasha, and it turned into a sword. Similarly, in Uhud, um, Az-Zubayr bin Bakkar, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, says his sword broke on the day of Uhud. The Prophet ﷺ, um, or, or excuse me, Abdullah bin Jahash, his sword had broken. The Prophet ﷺ gave Abdullah bin Jahash a stick, and it turned into a sword in his hand, and he fought with it until he was killed. Afterwards, it was then inherited by some of his children. It was eventually sold and bought for 200 dinar, which is a huge amount of money, 200 gold coins by somebody, because it was this miraculous sword that went from stick to sword because of the Prophet ﷺ granting it and giving it to somebody. So now, after this point in time, the martyrs of Uhud have been buried, the Prophet ﷺ has addressed the believers, and at this point in time, they're returning back to the city of Medina, and inshallah, in the next session, we'll talk about their return back to the city of Medina. However, one of the things I wanted to mention here is that Jabir radiallahu ta'ala anhu says that my father was buried with Amr bin al-Jamuh, who was an amazing man, no doubting that. But he says that it kind of did not sit well with me. That I could not even give my father, you know, his own uh, grave. So he says, I went back. I went back six months later. And when I went back six months later, I dug another grave separately for my father. And I took my father's body out from the grave that he was buried in to place him in his own grave. And he swears by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that time, he says, I swear to Allah that at that time, six months later when I took my father's body out, his wounds were still fresh. The blood was still flowing from his body. And he recited the ayah, وَلَا تَحْسَبَنَّ الَّذِينَ قُتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ أَمْوَاتَ Do not think that those who are killed in the path of Allah are dead. But they are alive being sustained by their Lord and their Master Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In another narration, this is preserved in the history of the city of Medina, and particularly in regards to the place of Uhud, that at the time of Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, they were digging uh, like a trench, or like an irrigation canal. So they were digging this trench, and in the digging of the trench, a lot of flooding and water and different things happened at that time over there. There were some, um, some issues and problems they had. And some of the graves of the shuhada of Uhud, unfortunately, kind of became uncovered. Some of the bodies were uncovered from the ground. And everybody who was there, many sahaba who were there at that time as well, they all relate that at that time when we went there, we saw that the wounds and the blood and the bodies of them were still fresh. Like they had not rotted or decomposed in the least bit. And this is at the time of Muawiyah And this is the battle of Uhud, the third year of Hijrah. 30 years later, that the bodies had not changed in the least bit. And in fact, um, one of the uh, very, very senior 
elder scholars who is an expert of the history of the city of Medina. He's written a book about the history of the city of Medina as well. He, in his book, he's mentioned not one but multiple incidents where either there's been a lot of rains or floods and things like that, where sometimes people found out that some of the graves, the, the dirt had been washed away and the bodies had become uncovered over the course of Islamic history. And every single time that has happened and people have gone there to cover the bodies up again, that they have found that the bodies were completely fresh. Even hundreds and a thousand years later. That this is the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is miraculous, but this is true. And the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said about shuhada and particularly, specifically, the shuhada of Uhud. Um, uh, I was going to mention that they say, Every single time somebody saw some of the bodies of the shuhada of Uhud, they always say it looked like they, they, they were sleeping. They looked like they were alive. They looked like they were sleeping. But the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and I'll conclude with this, he said about the shuhada of Uhud, in talking about their um, virtues, that when your brothers fell in the battle of Uhud, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put their souls in the bodies of these green birds. That fly around in paradise. They drink from the streams of paradise. They eat from the fruits of paradise. And they go and they rest, sitting in nests that are hanging, that are made out of gold, that are hanging from the arsh, the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That that's where the shuhada of Uhud are. And when they enjoy all these blessings of Allah in paradise, they say, "Man yuballighu ikhwanana anna anna ahya'un fil jannati turzaq nurzaq." Who will deliver the message to our brothers on our behalf that we are alive in paradise and being fed by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? Li anna yankulu anil harb. So that just because we died in the battle of Uhud, people will not be afraid to sacrifice for the sake of Allah. jihad, And people will not hesitate to sacrifice and fight for the sake of Allah. Allah Azza wa Jal. So Allah responds to them and says, ankum. I personally will deliver your message. فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ فِي الْكِتَابِ قَوْلَهُ تَعَالَى So Allah revealed in the Qur'an وَلَا تَحْسَبَنَّ الَّذِينَ قُتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ أَمْوَاتًا بَلْ أَحْيَاءٌ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ يُرْزَقُونَ Do not assume that those who have been killed in the path of God are dead. Rather they are alive and being taken care of by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And finally, just um, in terms of the details, there's many different narrations, but the most authentic narration is by Imam Bukhari, rahimahullahu ta'ala, who actually mentions that there were 70 shuhada, 70 sahaba were killed on the day of Uhud. Amongst them, only four were from the muhajirun. And those four were Hamza, the uncle of the Prophet Abdullah bin Jahash, the cousin of the Prophet Musa bin Umayr, one of the special students and a delegate of the Prophet 
a deputy of the Prophet ﷺ, was Shammas bin Uthman. These were four muhajirun, all the rest of them were from the Ansar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, have mercy on them, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward them on behalf of the Ummah, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be inspired by them, and to be able to live a life of selflessness and sacrifice as they taught us to live. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the ability to practice everything that was said and heard. Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi, subhanakallahu wa bihamdik, nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta, nasakhfiruka wa natubu ilayk.